and we're here to kick your week off right wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you're one of our geeks and sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're proud of you. We're going to be with you. Isn't it great? Knowing that I'm talking about you, we're going to be in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes with gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Casper, Third Love and Gamefly. They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who always does all his own stunts. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everybody. I'm back uh, safe in the state of California, the state of... uh horrific fires yeah i don't Um, know how safe you actually are but no it's uh it's a new normal here that is fairly tragic so thoughts out to all the firefighters out there um risking their lives 17 17 large fires i sorry i didn't mean to step on you saying uh you know we're thinking about the firefighters yes agreed uh but 17 large fires right now uh, including the fifth largest of all time Whew. Uh, yes indeed we uh we we are in a burning burning state um but hopefully it won't reach us down here in Southern California. Uh, lots to talk about this week. We got um, some new games coming out. We got some interesting news. We got Gen Con, which I'm all excited to chat about. And we have an awesome guest to do it with. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Distinguished Listener Caravella. Because we have the head of video at Giant Bomb and self-proclaimed good listener. Mr. Vincent Caravella. Hey, Vinny, how you doing? <laughs> doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing great, man. I'm so glad to finally have you on the show. Um, I've been a fan of you and the stuff you guys do over at Giant Bomb for a long time. So uh, this is cool. Thank you. And thanks for having me. And uh, I hope you guys are safe out there. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. We oscillate right. seasons. Uh, New York, you guys, I feel like, get it in a few months after ours hopefully goes away. And then the wetness comes and... Uh, Holy moly. I imagine you guys are sweltering too, but just not burning, just very humid. Yes, right. Exactly. The The humidity is in the air. I don't think you could even light a match out here. <laughs> it is so hot. Uh, but it is. it was like 90-something today, and it just felt like walking through a damp sponge. Oh, that sounds yeah. delightful. Oh, it's great. The wetness never goes away. That's why we stand and play video games, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, let's kick off the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. What was that? Did you guys hear that? I heard heard you singing the theme song for recorded. What else was it? Did it go really slow for you? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, but, but you, you, your face made me start giggling. Oh it went story of the week. Just for me, I'm sure everything's going fine on on the recording. Then, if that happened, no, I heard. You guys it, didn't I, hear that? No, I, I heard it at normal speed. Then I heard you go, "What?" And your eyes pop out of your head. 
word. That's never happened. <laughs> it goes story of the all right. That was just that was just a moment for me. Okay. Uh, story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit over there at five by five dlc.reddit.com where cool folks hang out talk about the show talk about stories uh vinnie you are our guest you get first pick of stories what would you consider to be your story of the week oh boy well it's funny because we, we talked about a bunch of this stuff uh last week uh on a different podcast over over at chatbob.com and i found the def jam stuff to be fascinating uh so yes. i'd love to talk about that Yes, we're we're getting hints and teases for a new Def Jam fight game, or at least it looks that way. Uh, there have been a, a series of um, not so subtle <laughs> uh, <laughs> tweets from the official Def Jam Twitter account uh, asking folks which location they would prefer for a new Def Jam fight game. Um, Def Jam New York came out back in two thousand four, so it's been. It's been a minute since the a last Def tweet fight. is just like, cool, uh, St. Louis, we're not making a game. Just wanted to know. <laughs> just curious. There's an settling an argument here in the office. <laughs> <laughs> you owe me a sandwich, Dylan. <laughs> yeah. uh, so a bunch of different uh, options were listed. Atlanta, Chicago, Miami. Uh, oh, Chicago's listed here twice. Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, Chicago. Uh, so maybe Chicago will be where, where it is if they're stacking the deck like that. Um Vinny, what I'm, I'm assuming you you played some some Def Jam games in your time. Uh, what is your opinion on whether they should bring back Def Jam Fight and uh, and and you know I guess what city it should be? In? <laughs> I, they absolutely should bring it back. It is such a weird novel thing. Uh, I mean, they have to do it right. Uh, there were the Icon. Did you guys play Icon? It was, yeah, that, I don't think I did. It was just very for, silly, just for a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're all very silly. But uh, you know, I think it's something that is missing from the space. If we can, if we can ha- see a good Dragon Ball Z fighting game, like yeah, anything interest, is possible. <laughs> yes, then then now is the time. Strike now. I just think the the part where it's like kind of peppering out there and putting stuff out there without actually announcing anything, it feels like a, a very much a crowdsourcing of uh of the des- the design of it, right? Like, right. hey, so uh, and what characters would you like to see? Right. And uh, what what cool moves would go in a fighting game? That <laughs> yeah, well, was, you know what? Like, what code would you write? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. How uh, how low should a, a, a crouch go in a game like this? <laughs> if, if you had to, I'm just curious. Tweet what at us. Button X do when you press it. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I uh, I guess it's you know since it's been so long, you, you brought up Icon as the last Def Jam game. That wasn't. That that was all the way back in 2007. So it's been over a decade since any of these games have come out. So there's probably quite a number of people listening that have never had any exposure to these. So I guess we should talk about the fact that, you know, Def Jam, obviously big rap label, among other things. And these were games where the the stable of Def Jam musical artists were fighting game characters and they pummeled each other while <laughs> shouting catchphrases and uh, showing off their bling, I guess. He said very white. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's 100% accurate. Uh, <laughs> and not for me, great. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Vinny. Oh, you're saying not, not great fighting games? They, they weren't great, but they were better than they had any right to be, I, in my opinion. Totally. And, and much like, uh, you know, I'm a dad who can't 
get out there. I I'm not hip to what is going on in the world uh, of the Def Jam recording artists, so I look for games like this to uh, kind of collide with my video game world to bring me up to speed, much like I did with games like Tech Mobile. So, like you know, I can be like, oh, I can name the entire roster of the, you know the Chicago Bears from 1988 or whenever it was, and so you know, it's good to for me to just be like, I'm going to play this game. Uh, I know some of these artists, but I never heard of a lot of these artists, and it's great to be exposed to stuff like that through, yeah, it's through like, games. It's cultural outreach via video totally. gaming. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, and somebody pointed out that the Def Jam label actually has. Uh, a pretty wide swath of people. If if a new Def Jam fight game came out, theoretically, you could have Kanye West and Justin Bieber both in it. And I think having a fighting game with Kanye West fighting Justin Bieber is kind of justifies itself, I think. I think it's kind of what the world needs right now. And, and I feel like it's a discussion. Finally, we can we can put to rest who would win in a fight. Yeah, finally. I would love to know what Justin Bieber's attack, final attack, you know, super move is. Uh, I went back and watched some some video of Def Jam New York, Fight New York, because I barely remember it. And it's got, you know, it's got Snoop and like Old Dirty Bastard and like all, this huge, huge roster of characters. And it's, it's ridiculous and over the top. And uh, I think this, you know, we're in a renaissance a resurgence for fighting games and this game could actually be both you know kind of silly fun and an actually good fighting game as you mentioned with dragon ball z which you could you could do both yeah and, and i'm not sure who who would make it i mean they haven't said much about anything right like who would develop it and and who would even put it out so just at this stage where they're just they're kind of peppering it's doing the it's the worst when you're just like hint 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 and then are are you making a game or not like yeah. you know it, it's like if uh bando namkai kept putting out like who would you like to see in a new dragon ball z game and just like <laughs> yeah. never announcing that you're making a game yeah. uh or or if you know like um you know uh capcom was like if we were making a mortal Kombat versus capcom game like yeah. who would you like to see and be like are you making one or not just say it yeah if we were making a Last of Us 2, how <laughs> right. many disembowelments would you want to see? Right. <laughs> it's like, is it, it 20 too many? 25? And it's <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's interesting the way they're going about it. And it would be, it'd be sad, but also hilarious and not unexpected if this game just never came out. I mean, making games is yeah. expensive and hard. Uh, and this licensing, uh, I mean, I don't know what the, what goes on in the offices of Def Jam, but it sounds like it could be tough. You know, I don't know if people are on well, individual licenses or what. A couple of lawsuits are going to tell us about what did used to happen in the offices of Def Jam, but <laughs> those are for uh, um, very different reasons. I, mm. Anyway, um, what do we think about it being a mobile game, a la the Arkham um, and even maybe the Marvel Ultimate Heroes? What's the Marvel one where it's they're they're fighting games, but yeah. not you know in traditional arc systems or evo esque what's happening right now um fighting games it's very much the you're on your phone all the time anyway you can get your awesome outfits via microtransactions you grind through collect all your characters pit them against each other like i think yeah. there's a very real uh mobile def jam game that could come out and not do i think they should have led with that in these tweets Yes, that'd be like if Skate was tweeting, like, what number comes after three? And then their next tweet was, we're happy to announce a Skate 2 remaster. And you're like, <laughs> wait, what? Right, um, yeah. But I, I don't I, know. I, I don't know if this is a full-fledged console fighting game. I, I'm not I, sure. 
you unlock new characters by buying their album in iTunes. On title. No, you have to subscribe to title. <laughs> I, I think you're 100% right. I think this has a strong possibility to at least not only just be a 100% mobile game, to have some kind of companion that is uh, on the mobile uh, scene. Uh, I could totally see that. Well, it remains to be seen. I'm sure we'll uh, either hear more or not hear more, as the case may be. <laughs> see a bunch uh, more tweets. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Somebody, some, yeah, some social media guys, like, oh, look at all the f- fun I stirred up with people. It's, we should really start making something. It's the guy <laughs> who boss, used to work. If your up. boss were to come at you and be like, "Why are you tweeting about a Def Jam game?" and then you didn't really have a game, what would you say would be the response to that? Just ask and tweet back at. <laughs> <laughs> I also love how like the setting setting city for this matters at all, you know, like Atlanta or Chicago. OK, I guess that'll matter in the game some for some reason. I don't know. I mean, it's a great way. Like when you get on stage in a band, and you're like, hello, Chicago, just to automatically just get people excited and fired up. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Christian, what is your story of the week? So related, not strictly video gaming, but uh, we keep waiting for that amazing video game movie to come out and it seems like uh we're still waiting the minecraft movie has now been delayed after the current writer and director are leaving originally it was set for a may 2019 premiere date and i bring this up because it's warner brothers and my kids love the lego movies and lego ninjago probably not the best of them but still I would say head and shoulders better than most video game movies that have come out. And I, I really thought that this Minecraft movie with the various people that have been attached to it in the past could have been that first, you know, 90% fresh uh, Rotten Tomato score or Metacritic or whatever video game movie. But now seeing all of the talented people that have left, um, I'm left wondering if it if it can be made, will be made, and and will be any good. Vinny, are your kids uh, consuming all things Minecraft? Or are they into movies, or have they not really um, found their property yet that they that they love? <laughs> no, they are definitely. Uh, I don't think. I think it's inescapable. Like out from the womb, I think uh, you know. Suddenly, Minecraft is in the. It's just in the air, right? So uh, my kids are. Um, my son is six, and my daughter is three. And my I just downloaded. I didn't know this was a uh, on there, but on the Switch, there's an update for Minecraft on Switch. Uh, I don't know when it came out, but you can just download a whole new game that is like, hey, we just unified with Microsoft uh, all the Minecraft stuff. So download this other version of it and stop playing the old one. Uh, so we just downloaded. I just played it uh, a day, if not hours ago. Uh, so, yes, we are. We are Minecraft. Uh, uh, we are sick. We are sick with the Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no escape. Do you think a, a feature version of it could work? I mean, Telltale proved narrative in that world, and it, it was fairly successful in terms of sales, if not critically. Is this a, a feature film that, like, you know, my kids are about the same age, five and a half and, and three, where, you know, they they love, like, we. I, I have my brands that I loved growing up. It seems weird to call them brands, but that's what they are. Does Minecraft make that jump to the feature film? It's already made the jump to merchandising and everything else. This is its last thing for it to conquer, right? Of course, this is this is easy. This is easy. You give me the script, I'll do it. Like this is, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll just get a couple of uh, great singles, Justin Bieber in there, uh, a couple of pop tunes. We'll have about 
40% of the movie be songs, the rest of it be kind of stumbling around some montages. This is an easy one. And I, I like the telltale stuff. I thought that actually worked oddly. Uh, and yeah, I did too. I thought it was surprisingly good. Wait, yeah, I, I don't know if we just broke an exclusive or if Vinny just pitched the Trolls movie that came out years ago, because I think that's kind of exactly what that right. movie so, was. But that's the model, right? The Angry Birds movie, the Trolls movie, um, pick your Madagascar, uh, you know, and just, the, <laughs> right, your Ice Age. I mean, there's there's uh, there was the, um, oh gosh, the Emoji movie, right? Uh, so you... You basically just need a property, some songs, and but you're 90- listing bad movies. I mean, yeah, but bad I, movies. I would rather it be, you know, Lego Movie, like it's good for adults and kids, and it's actually really a solid film. You know, I don't. Right, it doesn't necessarily have to be bad, but uh, I think you know my kids like the Trolls movie. I mean, I think yeah. as long as they're in on the property. Uh, also, I think the people who wrote the checks would say this is a fine movie. Uh, because sure. those, those movies seem to make money. money. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, no brainer. I, I think they just need to find their hook with it. And uh, I, I think looking at the telltale stuff is a great direction because boy, that, that deck was stacked against that, right? If you pitched me that 10 years ago, I would have been like, you're insane. It's like making about the asteroids movie, right? Like, what is that going to be? So yeah, uh, hopefully, I think they could pull it off easily, uh, and with a with a good voice cast and some good songs, and I don't know what what they're going to build, but it'll be something. It'll involve Redstone, and it, you know, it'll be great. It's interesting. I don't know, Christian. You didn't really mention. Yeah, that I it's left Rob, off the facts. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rob McElhaney who was uh, slated to be co writer and director. Um, you know him from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And this was going to be a May 2019 premiere. So it was going to be next year. Uh, it will not do that. Rob has left the project and it's not clear as to why he left it. And, you know, one would think that that, that spells some sort of trouble uh, or disagreement as to the direction of the movie or, you know, it, it's not a good thing when the writer director jettisons out of the project but But there are other examples where it still worked out as as hits or at least profitable um the first ant-man movie everybody wants to see what that version was um before they left even justice league while not critically great it made its money back um solo did okay critically made its money back and now it looks like aaron and adam knee who are also working on the masters of universe masters of the universe adaptation are on board to write the new script and direct so they're continuing trends of bringing in talented people to work on this thing. I think people see that it can be done. I don't know if maybe Warner Brothers is is too is meddling too much, or if Microsoft or Minecraft are having too much say. But I think that the proof is in the pudding with that Telltale game. That narrative in this world mm. can happen. So I still, I don't know. I don't think Mario or Sonic. I don't, I'm not sure if either one of those will be the one that that. Uh, goes against the trend and becomes a great video game movie. I still think Minecraft might be the first one to do it, even if it comes a year later. Yeah. 2019, I guess uh, Sonic has all to himself as far as. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Mario uh, had his shot already. He blew it. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And lest we ever forget that. Um, my story of the week, I'm going to jumble together a bunch of really cool things and kind of do a Gen Con wrap up because, you know, I'm, the, I'm a big board game fan. Gen Con is one of the biggest board game conventions in the world, certainly 
I would say the biggest in America. And it went on this weekend. Uh, it had lots of breaking news about some exciting board game projects that I think would be int- of interest to our listeners. The one that got me the most excited is a new game announced from Richard Garfield. Uh, Richard Garfield, of course, a storied designer who is responsible for Magic the Gathering and sort of creating trading card games. This is a new trading card game and a new kind of trading card game in the sense that it's he's, he said he's been working on this for 10 years and there literally has not been the technology possible to do it. The printing technology, not because it's a technological game, a digital game. No, no. The printing technology wasn't wasn't available for him to create this vision of a a new kind of trading card game. So in Magic the Gathering and a lot of other trading card games, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, etc., you're buying packs of cards and they're random and you're trying to get cool cards to constitute a deck and you build your deck and uh, out of all these disparate cards that you get out of all these disparate packs. Well, the way this game is going to work, which is going to be called Keyforge Call of the Archons, uh, every deck is a complete deck. You literally buy decks in complete form uh, from the store and it's a complete usable deck. In fact, you can't swap out cards hmm. from it. it. It is set. It has a unique card back. So it, it, you will know if you have a weird card stuck in there because all the decks have different card backs and all the decks are unique. There is no two decks that you can buy from the store that are the same, which is wild. And Wait, so-, so you're, Go ahead. So, so uh, each deck will have a unique card back, so you know when I play against you, our decks will have unique back, so we know whose card goes with whom. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So um, it, it's a it's a one v one game, a lot like Magic the Gathering, or at least in, it, it's not a lot like in the sense that the rules are any similar. It's just that style of game, one v one, and we both come with our decks, but we didn't make them from a bunch of cards. We're not chasing individual cards. Uh, Garfield talked about the fact that what has happened with Magic and a lot of trading card games, people probably know this well from Hearthstone, is that there is a best deck. There's a best version of the deck that includes X card and Y card and Z card. And a lot of the process of playing those games or engaging with those games is purchasing and purchasing and purchasing until you get the cards that you need to create the best decks. And he said he wanted to get away from that model and create a situation where every, literally every single deck that you will ever encounter is different. And it's all about finding a deck that you like that clicks with you in certain ways and, you know, squaring off against people. So it feels like a, an enormous balance problem, but <laughs> wildly inventive. And, and I, I got me excited. Um, it should be hitting, uh, I guess at the end of the year, uh, I think that's what it said. Did yeah. You say like how, how many cards, like I understand the printing wasn't possible until now and the scale and the cost of doing it. But like at some point this, this game becomes card complete at some point, right? Whether it's a right. hundred years. And I'm but, so curious what that season is or, or, uh, or you're, you're talking about the magic of exponential math. Uh, because one of the cool little factoids that I like to bring up uh, at parties is that uh, if you took a if you took a deck of fifty two playing cards and shuffled them right now, the wildly probable situation, the vast uh, most likely event, is that the the shuffle that you do has never existed in the history of man. You put the cards 
in an order that playing cards have never been in in the history of humankind. And here I'm sad I missed your birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that a fun factoid? I love that. So the idea here is uh, they put a number. I can't even read it. It's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight sets of triple zeros with commas. So I don't even know what that is. Quintillion, 104 quintillion different possible decks. Um, I don't know how many. Yeah. Uh, I probably even said the wrong. I don't even know how to read that number. It's such a high number that it's hard hard to imagine. I think it's a but, googly moogly. If I'm <laughs> googly moogly. Yes. Uh, I find this really cool and interesting and, and kind of throws the whole business model of trading card games on its head, which I, which I think is kind of cool. You still be, you know, buying lots of decks because you're trying <laughs> to get you know, 104 not, not, googly moogly up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it's fun. That's not going to be this kind of, maybe there will be a secondary market, but it won't be a secondary market for individual cards anymore. And there won't be like, a guy saying the best possible deck is this and that. I don't know. I I always bounce off of that, even in video games, where it's like, this is the build that you do, you you know, for Diablo or World of Warcraft. The, these are the talents you take. It's like, well, they put all the talents in the game. I want to experiment. It's like, no, no, no. These are the, these are the most, we've determined which are the most efficient. Do that. Uh, and I like the idea that he's kind of making that impossible. Sure, yeah. It's almost like now, instead of buying... Uh, feats or traits, you're just buying the whole character outright. Like if you keep right. comparing it to the video game, you're just buying a new character. I wonder how many does it say how many cards are in a deck? Uh, I don't have that information in front of you. It may because um, um, how expensive do you think a deck would run? It's probably about twenty bucks, I would say. Right? If you're no, thinking- I think it's. I think they're saying. Let me double check here, but I think they're saying that decks are going to run like five bucks. What? No yeah. Way. Let me uh, let me look it up. Uh, this is um, Fantasy Flight, right? Putting this out? Yeah. Fantasy Flight's putting it out, right. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, individual decks are 10 bucks. Wow. There's a there's a um, a starter pack that's 40 bucks that includes like um, chits and, and um, markers and stuff to keep track of different things and includes two decks. And that is the only set where every deck will be the same. Like you go and you buy that and those are two set decks that yeah. they've designed and everybody has those two decks. And then every other deck is 10 bucks. And it's a complete deck of cards. It doesn't say how many cards are in it. Right. But, um, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. This is wild, right? This is, it is a weird thing to think that you would go into your like, local game store and walk out with a completely unique, unique set that you just bring. And, and I guess hope that you, you hit the lottery, right? Or, yeah. uh, I mean, I hope, like you said, the balance must be a nightmare, nightmare, but hope that you got something that you can play with because otherwise you, you need to go buy a new deck. I wonder if they'll be themed at all. Like, yeah, there are, there are factions, evidently, a bunch of different factions uh, in the game universe. And I guess decks in, include like two factions. It's very, you know, similar to Magic. But. Here's a question for both of you. Um, this wasn't possible before in the board game, collectible card game, because of the printing. Do you think we'll see this if this game proves successful like uh, Richard's past game, <laughs> um, we'll see this copied in the video game space where the printing isn't an issue. Like uh, uh, going back to Def Jam, like a fighting game where there's a googly moogly amount of traits or whatever, and each character is ten bucks, and you just get a randomly generated character and go take them to Evo. Good luck. See how you do. And then you'll be facing off against. I'll go up against Jeff, and I'll have no clue what Jeff's character is because I've never seen it before. Like, do you think this gets copied and taken and used anywhere else, or is this going to be exclusive to this game for a little while? Uh, 
I, I think you've kind of seen it already. I think I think this is almost like a roguelike, right? Or um, like it's a run. Well, maybe not so much like that, but it's um, it's ge- a level. The level is generated right per your specific run, uh, and you, right. it's, it's unique to you, right? So like, yeah, you can have a really good run of Rogue Legacy, but just because you happen to get you know good levels generated and you know had a had a really but unique this thing. Is, that- this is head to head, where I feel like that is kind of you yeah. versus the machine trying to beat you. That's no, but I think true. Vinny's right. It's it's like uh, watching somebody play Spelunky. You know, every day you tune into their stream and they're like, how far can you get on this crazy, wacky, you know, the the daily challenge or the weekly challenge or whatever. Um, but yeah, I don't know. D- doing it on a head-to-head level would be an interesting challenge. He's working on um, – he's also working on Artifact, right? Valve's card game? Yes, yeah. Maybe he'll yeah. just bring it there. Just- <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> got a lot of great uh, ideas, co- guys. A <laughs> couple of other Gen Con bits I wanted to mention. Um, there is a hero – hero. <laughs> There's a Horizon Zero Dawn board game coming. Uh, they announced a uh, a upcoming Kickstarter that will introduce uh, from Steam Forged Games. Uh, they are the company that did uh, Dark Souls, the board game, which I think got a pretty good reception. Uh, and they teased some of the minis that will be included, which look really authentic to the game. There's a uh, one of the Scrappers and uh, Aloy, of course. Uh, no details on how this game is going to play exactly, but um, pretty excited about a Horizon Zero Dawn board game. And uh, also another thing I want to mention is Gloomhaven, which is a game I raved about on this show. A uh, very expensive board game, uh, a huge, massive board. I mean, it, it is physically large, tons of pieces and a lot to do. It is a very involved kind of experience, a, a giant role playing system that unlocks new things and uh, evolves over time. It has now been announced as a digital version. Asmodee Digital is going to be doing a digital version of Gloomhaven, which is I'm very excited about, but it's, it's kind of funny because Gloomhaven is basically trying to create the process of a digital role-playing game on the table. You know, that thing where the game, you know, the game is in control and uh, things unlock and choices have consequences, things that a, a computer is very good at doing, but a, a piece of cardboard is not. Uh, it's figured out a way to do that. And then it kind of like loop it back into being a digital game. It makes a lot of sense, but it also is kind of funny to me. I- I'm excited about this, though. I'm sure it'll be much less expensive than the, the physical tabletop version. It's so expensive. I-, I was just actually looking at Gloomhaven, which I do probably about every month or so, uh, to be like, eh, should I get this? I'm never going to play it. My kids aren't old enough, really. It's going to sit on the shelf, but it just is so pretty, and I love the concept of it. And you know, they're, what I always see is like 150 bucks to get in. Uh, and Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's the going price or or if those f- prices fluctuate, but it always seems between like one thirty and one fifty, and that's a little outside my range for a game that I just don't have anybody to play with. Yeah, that didn't stop me from dropping that money. And then I dropped an additional, <laughs> I dropped an additional hundred bucks just on the organizer, the box organizer. Okay, and now it now it's it's beautifully organized sitting on my shelf. Did you was that from broken? Uh... What's broken it? yeah broken uh token yeah broken, broken token, token yeah so i just looked up their stuff for sky uh side uh, oh nice yeah uh, to see if i should buy their 40 dollar organizer for that game because there's a lot of little pieces in there the scythe digital edition just came out in fact and oh, it's no really kidding. good yeah oh, it's really? on steam yeah it's i think it's technically early access right now still but it's it's real good it's real good uh, and uh, yeah i just have to wait like you know 
five, eight more years until the kids are a little older, and then uh, yeah. they're gonna love it. They're gonna, <laughs> they're gonna really. <laughs> they get better into, love it. They're gonna, we're gonna use to that expanded it. that expanded map, and everybody's gonna get way into it. Uh, definitely you need to good, buy it now. Let it sit uh, on a shelf, so then eight years from now you can take it off the shelf and blow the dust off it. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. Very, very Jumanji like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the only way that the magic happens. <laughs> right. I'll just put like a, like a weird speaker in there. It's like a beating heart or something and just have one of the kids actually notice it and be like, oh, this game, this one. Your, your kid will be sick in bed. Your oldest will be sick in bed one day. Your dad will be coming over to take care of him and he'll find it on the shelf, blow the dust off, and your kid will be Fred Savage and will yeah. say, oh, grandpa, this, this game looks dumb. I don't. And then it's a perfect mix of Princess Bride. And uh, Jumanji, and uh, there you go. Now we wrote oh, the yeah. Minecraft movie, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, and Max, you know, and and Farm. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, if you do that, it'll be uh, a lot of sleeps from now, and you want to make sure your sleeps are good. Which brings us to our sponsor, uh, Casper, a sleep brand that is expertly designed to create products to help you get your best rest. Uh, Casper has has been uh, a part of my life for a long time. Uh, it's easy to not think about your mattress. It's easy to not want to worry about it. Uh, I had the same mattress. I, I went to college all through college, had the same mattress, carted it from place to place, knocking it into walls and bending it around corners. And then after college, I brought it, uh, you know, to LA with me and had it several different apartments, the same mattress. And little by little, I started realizing I was kind of sore. I had a sore back and sore neck and I didn't even think about the fact that maybe I needed a new mattress because it had been messing it up for too long and sleeping on the same stupid spot. Uh, Casper mattresses are, are just a wonderful way to upgrade your sleep because they, you don't have to worry about going into a mattress store and buying it and have a pressured salesman standing over you and make your decision really quickly and then spend thousands of dollars. Casper eliminates all that stuff. They do it all online. They send it to your house in a really cool package. I remember getting mine. It was all bound up. It didn't look like it could possibly be a mattress in there. And then you slice it open and it kind of unfolds in front of you like magic. And they are, these are really high quality materials. You spend a third of your life sleeping. You should be comfortable. Uh, these are uh, easy to get. You can sleep on them for a hundred nights before you have to make your decision. You don't have to make a snap judgment on as to whether you want to keep this mattress. You get a hundred nights to make up your mind whether or not you want to keep your, your Casper mattress. And if you decide not to, they come to your house, they pick it up. It's pretty great. Uh, Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. They don't have giant warehouses with pushy salespeople. It's, means that they can lower their prices and be much more affordable. And uh, they're delivered right to your door. It's so simple. They have multiple different styles. They have the uh, the original, the Wave, and the Essential. All are designed, developed, and assembled right here in the United States. And if you want to get $50 towards select mattresses, simply visit casper.com slash DLC. That's C-A-S-P-E-R dot com slash DLC and use promo code DLC at checkout. Terms and conditions apply, but I highly recommend you do it. Uh, Casper.com slash DLC. Promo code DLC gets you $50 off select mattresses. Check it out. Time to talk about the games we have been playing this week. 
Vinny, I'm curious, what is on your playlist at the moment? Oh, boy. Okay, so uh, recently I played through a decent amount of that Warhammer 40K uh, Gladius, Gladius. What, what are your guys' opinions on that one? I I was under the impression it was Gladius, but I who knows? I'll go with that. I'll go with Gladius. <laughs> Relics of War, the 8,000th Warhammer game in the last five years. Uh, it is, it's okay. It is uh, a 4X game kind of in the vein of Civ, except, you know, if uh, everything resolved with uh, like bloody slaughter instead of diplomacy or trying to get the space uh, is very, very Warhammer. It, it nails the tone and kind of is a lighter version of 4X and, and it's kind of fun. So uh, I enjoyed it. What you didn't know about Warhammer is that the 40K, that actually was the 40,000th Warhammer video game to have come out. That's so that's where we started, and now we're just on forty-eight k numerical uh, uh, sequel number. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Each each game is individual. You can't like you know they're just putting out games like decks. Uh, each one is unique. Yeah, and, right. And yeah, no one will. How be does the it same. compare to like Mario plus Rabbids in terms of being that XCOM light, but like Mario is approachable in a way that it's Mario. So younger kids, it might seem more appealing than Warhammer, which is um, mature in art um, to, to put it one way. Uh, but yet it seems like this game is an easier entry point than, than an XCOM, which is XCOM two. I think I found to be even more difficult than I'm talking new XCOM numbering is weird. Um, sure, right. <laughs> but where does this kind of fall between Mario Rabbids and like the current XCOMs out there? Uh, this is definitely more of a hex-based um, slide the figurines around Civ style game. So this is a a little less, a little less tactical shooter like XCOM and XCOM Two are, and this is a much the pace even compared to those turn-based games is feels even slower. You're you're building oh, a wow. base, yeah, you're building a base on a map and kind of spawning units out of it. So it's much more. RTS style than something like XCOM where you're going on missions with a select crew. Uh, okay. I, I just misunderstood when I was, I, cause I, I knew it was combat based, right. And not as much. Definitely. This is definitely, I, I mean the, the, uh, the comparison isn't that off cause you, you are, you're building a crew and just fighting, uh, but you are able to spawn and generate units and you kind of use resources to do that. Much like a traditional RTS game, comparing it to Civ it's a, a comparison to, you know, a fraction of Civ, and it's mostly the combat part. It doesn't have diplomacy. It doesn't have um, uh, wind conditions where you can uh, escape Earth and go to Alpha Centauri or anything like that. It is very much eliminate all the other players on the map, uh, or occasionally they have objectives, and I, I think if you finish those, you can, uh, you can also win the map. Uh, it, but it is it is very much boiled down. But they nailed the UI and they actually nailed the gameplay experience to keep it moving in a way I haven't felt in a while in in those turn based hex based games, which uh, it was very streamlined. It had that one more turn, one more turn feel to it. Uh, and I probably like everybody else, been kind of diving in and out of No Man's Sky a bit. Uh, mm. Just a hard right there uh, into No Man's Sky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Destroy everything, blow it all up, and then I. <laughs> saunter through the procedurally generated universe right the grim dark world of no man's sky it uh <laughs> i've uh i've been trying to get back into it and it's kind of amazing where they are now i mean this is this is an hour and a half discussion on its own on no man's sky uh but just you know i've been trying to figure out how to play that game again and and whether 
I like that game or not. I'm still still on the fence about it. Here's my question to both of you on it. Do you think we get a No Man's Sky and here's another one or Nexter? Do you think there's another big update or is this it before a sequel? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like we'll probably get some more incremental stuff, but it doesn't feel like a big moment like this. It feels like this is the one big moment uh, in the game where they they, you know, are kind of relaunching for lack of a better word. Have you stuck um, with it, Jeff? I know you talked about it a little last week playing some of the the new stuff. I I have played uh, a fair amount still. Um I'm I'm digging it. It's it has a persistent problem that hasn't been fixed from the from the initial launch for me, which is this constant grind of materials. Um and I, it's much the friction point of that has been greatly reduced in the sense that it's easier to find the materials that you want. It's easier to kind of uh, create points of interest on your map and go searching around. And uh, you're not just wandering and hoping anymore as much. Um, and, and there's so much more focus to the, to the experience as far as like, if I want to do thing, I know basically how to, to go about the process of doing that thing, which I like. Um, are, but are ultimately, you, sorry, sorry. I was go going to ask if you were still playing the normal mode and then Vinny, I was curious if you were playing that it's not survive, but like the normal you have, uh, limited resources or if you did you dive back in and was it creative just kind of the sandbox? Uh, I'm also doing normal. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just doing, I think it's the way to play. I don't know. I, yeah. Um, I'll just, just to wrap up what I was saying, it, it is, uh, I think you still have to, in, in order to enjoy No Man's Sky, you still have to be one of those journey, not the destination kind of players and really appreciate finding something interesting looking and unique and kind of just be one of the players that can kind of go walk over the crest of a rise and look down and go, wow, look at that. Look at that world. Uh I, I think that's really ultimately the the draw to this game is feeling like an explorer in unexplored territory. Yeah, uh, and I think for me, I'll kind of echo some of the things you you said there. For me, I'm I'm rubbing up against you call them friction points, like the gating of some of that stuff. Uh, sometimes just feels like one too many, like um, uh, up against inventory space or. Why do yeah. I have to have these sentinels always watching my back? I'm just just trying to mine some copper here. Yeah, uh, it, you know, or the uh, the fact that you've got two meters running out. You've got uh, kind of your hazard suit, and then you also have your um, uh, life support. Right? Uh, you have uh, a consumable when you take your your ship takes off. There there are so many things that I feel like I'm constantly refilling the tank on that sometimes I think get in the way of the pure joy of it at least in that normal mode maybe that is what the other mode is for you wish you were playing creative <laughs> but i don't know i don't i maybe 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 i should give that a shot but i feel like that takes away any kind of stakes it just i, I find myself more and more i didn't really do this well when the first originally game came originally came out, I hadn't had this experience yet, but I find myself uh, comparing it a lot to Subnautica, which is a game that I absolutely adore. And I think it, in this next update, it has moved itself much more in that sort of survival game 
trope, you know, those, that, that template. Um, and I just find everything about Subnautica to be superior. Mm. <laughs> the, the feeling of exploration, the feeling of discovery in that game, the way the tech tree unfolds uh, itself in front of you and, you know, blossoms in front of you and you go, Oh my God, I can do this now. Oh my gosh, I can do this now. Uh, it really, that game feels so elegantly um, paced, I guess is the word. And no man's sky is still a little clunky and it, it, it offers much more from the start of, of possibility, but I don't think it is as uh, beautifully, the progression through it isn't as beautiful for me. It's a good comparison. Yeah. Uh, anything else on your playlist, Vinny? Uh, you know, <laughs> I talk about this on on the Giant Beast cast, but uh, I've still just been every week I play with my brother's uh, Division Two, and so we've been kind of plunking through that a while. And that game is so wild with where it has gone since it's released. It's just so many different things going on in the kind of quote unquote uh, end game and post game. It's unbelievable. I feel like every time I log back in. We are presented with new options. Uh, just the support on that is so weird. And we are not it, good Division 2 players. <laughs> so I don't, well, I don't think the D- Division 2 hasn't come oh, out. I'm sorry, right, Division so. 1. Sorry, yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, we are also, as a family, very excited about Division 2. Uh, right. <laughs> uh, the Division uh, 1. Uh, yeah, so it's weird. It's a weird game that we are still, you know, we've played it for months now and still finding new things to do in it. and. That for me is very outside of my wheelhouse. I usually do not play games for a long time. This happens to be something that uh, we kind of decided, hey, let's do this once a week. Let's find the right game. We were doing Destiny for a while, but we all kind of got tired of it. Or that Destiny 2 in that case. Uh, We all kind of got tired of it after a while. uh, But Division we've kind of kept up with. So it's weird. It's a weird thing to go back to feel like you're playing a game as maybe <laughs> normal people play games where they buy a game and play it for a very long time instead of working in this business where you play a game for hours if not a day and then have to move on right right yeah that's how i am with heroes of the storm i, I loved the division i put a lot of hours in that game and i i was sitting here thinking has does he have an early copy of the division too? <laughs> my whole family and i are, are ubisoft uh <laughs> what, what do call them uh influencers Beta testers yeah we're yeah. Inf- we're huge influencers you can check us out on youtube if it's tips and tricks. uh division two is gonna be hot 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 uh yeah <laughs> no it's funny like I was at e3 it's my brothers texted me and it's like oh my gosh did you see the division two stuff and it's very funny because they are not you know, immersed in this world like we are. Uh, so it was very funny to have them very excited about that stuff. That's great. I love that. I, it's so neat to be able to have that kind of relationship with a family that's far away too, or you, you know, you're all getting together and doing this activity. Um, that's, that's super cool. I love yeah, that. it was great. We used to do, uh, and I need to start it back up again. It's just, it was, I got lazy. We used to have a D and D five E night and then we switched over to uh PS4 at some point because, uh, getting everybody together once a week for five E was a little tough. Yeah, I know that experience. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, how about you? What's on your your playlist? I've been playing some semblance. I've been playing on Switch. I'm actually not sure what other platforms it's on because <laughs> do other platforms exist? Um, <laughs> Summer Switch, baby! <laughs> it, it really is. Uh, semblance was recommended uh, to both of us from uh, Dan, who was on last week's show, and I didn't play it before then, and I. Uh, played it today and on my flight back to los angeles if you it is a 
puzzle platformer, but not in the traditional sense. So it is a platformer a la kind of Celeste in terms of you have a jump, an air dash, and kind of a duck. And later you get a few other powers, but it is not a Metroidvania in the sense that you're never really backtracking. You are trying to collect these little power gems power circles that then i guess cleanse this tree because some dark forces come into your world and you're trying to get it out of there the plot seems light but what's really unique about the game isn't it's air dash and jump and and kind of platforming it's that you're oftentimes making the platform and that's where the puzzle element comes in there are parts of the world that are a solid color and those parts of the world you can manipulate by smashing into them and they kind of have a play-doh-esque feel and you're a little blob so you jump and dash into it and it juts in and now you have a little platform that you can either a little divot that you can kind of nest in and use to climb up or you can poke it out a whole bunch and create a big ledge to jump onto or you can smash something down and then you can reset the world and kind of uh, use that as a springboard to get you to a place. So each screen is kind of like its own um, little puzzle board where you're trying to find this little glowy bit that you're trying to collect, the collectible, the glowy <laughs> bit. Um, and as the as the game progresses, the puzzles get a little more complex. There are insta-deaths if you touch like a laser or a bad guy or whatever – but the game is pretty forgiving in terms of it resets you. It, it appears kind of back on that screen that you were on. So on one screen, you might have a multi-step puzzle of like pushing one platform up, creating a divot, launching off this thing and getting up to the glowy bit or whatever. So you'd have to do all of that again, but it doesn't start you at, you know, the beginning of the level. It's, um I, again, I think similar to Celeste in that, in that fashion where it's pretty much where you were. Uh, when you die and aesthetically it has a look that reminds me of pixel junk eden uh, in the sense that it's it's beautiful it's these flat pastels with foreground and background movement as you're kind of going to create you know a, a look of depth to this 2d platformer but it's um 2d uh looks hand drawn it's not pixel art it's not polygonal and uh it's really fun it's really engaging the puzzles uh, a, a few of them have that, like, oh, I must, you can't do it. Broken game. Game's broken. Hey, everybody, look at this game. It's broken. And then you look back and you're like, oh, I'm an idiot. I just needed to push this, <laughs> push this piece to the left a little bit. And I solved the puzzle. Um, I am not done with it. I have read that it is only about three hours long, or maybe two hours into it. But uh, yeah, I really like it. It was 10 bucks on the eShop and that mix of platforming and puzzling or creating the puzzle creating the platform to then jump on is really really cool and something really unique i feel like on switch for me this summer with yoku islands express kind of a game i didn't know i needed combining pinball and metroidvania and now this where you're smashing into things to create the platforms that you then execute your jumps onto is another really cool um addition to this world did you play it jeff or Vinny? have you taken the plunge i have not no uh, I saw uh, my coworker Alex play it uh, for uh, our when we recorded our uh, impressions of it, our quick look. Uh, it looked awesome. It looked awesome. We had the developers on for E3 during one of our shows. They were awesome. Oh, cool. uh, so the entire package <laughs> seems kind of awesome. Uh, yeah, and and everything you described, I think, was on point. Just kind of deforming the world and the. It's a unique mechanic that I haven't really seen before. 
Again, that game is called Semblance, and it is uh, on Switch. And I think PC is it on other things. Christian, do you know? I I just got back from Wyoming, so I had my Switch. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And then the only other Sem- thing is Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Uh, I talked about it way back when on the Wii U. Uh, I talked about it when I first got it. You, Go buy that game. You rarely stop talking about that so, game. It's so frustratingly good. It is, and again, as a, a different, totally different type of platformer where it's not this pixel perfect precision style platformer and what um retro studios has done with that franchise i'll mention it again only one more time after i beat it this final playthrough and i will tell you then what i'll tell you now go get it it's really good donkey kong tropical freeze on switch uh i have also been experiencing the summer of switch tm hold on wait Uh, say it again i'm ready now summer of switch (laughs) nice uh I have been playing a couple of Switch games myself. Uh, Titan Quest, which is an old game that just got a remaster and now is available on Switch. Uh, this is a sort of a Diablo 2 clone or, or child, <laughs> child of Diablo 2. And I think it came back out way back in 2006 originally. Um, big, sprawling, you know, click. And kill lots of things, except on the Switch, is what, which is what I'm playing it on. No clicking. Um, it's all controlled by the analog and pushing buttons, which is kind of a fun way to play these kinds of games. Uh, it is a tad bit pl- problematic in the sense that uh, things that you should be able to click on to make things easier, uh, because the game was designed originally to be clickable can be frustrating. For example, uh, much like a Diablo game, if you open a chest or kill a monster, they explode with a whole variety of loot that pops out of them. And uh, if you can remember a, a game like Diablo, those the text of all those items are sitting on the ground. And as with all of those kinds of games, you're often dealing with tough choices because you have a limited inventory. And so sometimes you want to pick up one of the five items that are splayed on the ground. And it would be wonderful if I could just touch the touch screen of the switch and click on that one thing, then put it into my inventory. But no, I have to somehow finagle my character to look just in the exact right place to highlight the exact right item to be able to pick it up. Uh, and it's very frustrating. I, I really wish they just, it's got a touch screen. Just let me touch it. Oh, um, that's, that's, so a that's a little frustrating. Yeah. And this is also a very old school kind of uh, loot game where you're asked to make really, really big decisions really early on. Like there's, you know, what, eight or 10 awesome looking um, classes that you can choose from. And very early in the first time you level up, it's like, okay, which class are you going to be? It's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. They all look awesome. Uh, I guess this one, I guess I'm going to spend the next 30 hours finding out if I like this one. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, you know, I've restarted a couple of times to try a couple of classes. And the, the most frustrating part is that m- much like the way these games traditionally have been designed, there's really, really cool stuff in all the classes eventually. And you have to really put in a lot of time. You get very incrementally cool things and it takes a very long time to see the full fledged version of that class. So, I, you know, I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a hunter. That sounds kind of fun. I like doing bow and arrow and especially with the analog stick instead of clicking. It's kind of fun with the bow and arrow in these games. And then the first first skill I got was like you throw a trap and they stick in it. And it's like, well, that's not exactly fun. I want multi-shot and cool lures and things. And it's like, yeah, you'll get those. 
30 hours from now, it's like, well, okay, I wanted something cooler, quicker. So I switched over to a mage that throws fireballs and <laughs> throws a fire it, trap. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, it's just that kind of thing where I think with Diablo 3, Blizzard really smartly said, no, you're going to feel OP and awesome every single time you get a new skill. And you're going to be able to swap in and swap out all those skills all the time. And there's legitimate builds that are cool all, all over the place. And I, I really like the fact that they re-examined that process of you're very not powerful until you're very super powerful. And along the way, you're mostly not doing the coolest stuff. And I think uh, that's hard hard to commit to early when you it's like, which of these classes do I want? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an old school game in that sense, but it's still pretty neat. Uh, and uh, <laughs> the one thing I thought was, it's surprising how little it takes for one of these kinds of games to be fun. <laughs> because all I'm doing is just running up and smacking things and getting loot and moving on. It's just not much more to it. Um, and that's fine. And that's fine. I have very fond memories of Titan Quest. Uh, I think it's a great game. Have they updated the graphics at all? Or are they just kind of pointed yeah. over? No, yeah, it looks it looks sharp. Uh, it 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 you know it's not going to wow you. It's still a little dated looking, but um, it definitely doesn't look like a 2006 game. It it looks sharp on the switch, and you can uh, push in with the right analog stick, and it'll zoom all the way down to almost you know street level with your character, and it looks good all the way down. It's yeah, it's a pretty good looking game. But it's again one of those games where I'm probably going to be playing it the entire time from the f- furthest out view because that's the most advantageous to see what bad guys are coming at me. Right. Uh, and then also the other Switch game that I have been playing this week, I finally get to talk about is Dead Cells. Yeah. Oh, man. I adore this game. It was on my top games of the year at the end of last year as an early access PC game. And now it's finally coming out of early access this week. And uh, alongside it is a new Switch version. Switch is the perfect platform for this game. It's the perfect platform for roguelikes. It's the perfect platform for this game. It, Dead Cells has some of the best pixel art I've seen. The animation is highly detailed and really evocative and fun. Um, It's kind of gruesome. It's got this cool kind of zombie vibe the whole time you're, you're killing things and grabbing their souls and then spending those souls. If you're able to get out of the level alive, Uh, all procedurally generated levels, um, lots of cool items and things to unlock over time. You spend your cells at the end of every level and, and kind of, progress toward unlocking more and more things uh, and getting more and more powerful. I don't think it as is as uh, perfect to me as something like Rogue Legacy was. Rogue Legacy really was the perfect version of that. Uh, I do feel like this one is a little more frustrating in the sense that uh, I've lost a lot of cells in death and I've died out of nowhere on things. And I feel like with Rogue Legacy, even even as I was dying, I felt like I was progressing, and that's not always the case here. It's a little more punishing. Well, how, it's like level in, in terms of level format, enemy battle. Cause I, I have been next to you as you've been cursing at this game some. Also yeah. been next to you when you had some pure moments of joy and ecstasy. Then you then cursed later when you went home and started again. Yeah. Um, what makes it harder or, or feel cheaper? I guess not to put words in your mouth, but you did. I, you did put words in. My, I don't. I didn't use either of those. Uh, I, I'd say more frustrating in the sense that. Um, the only way you actually get progress in this game is to get out of a level with souls. You you can have a very good run uh, of the game, 
well, not a very good, a very good run means you've, you've gone through multiple levels. So you did get some progress, but you can have a, you know, you can go through the first level and get very few souls and then get into a second level and be racked up with 20, 30 souls and just looking for an exit and, you know, bad things befall you. A lot of people say, get good, you know, and I take that note. I take that note, but, uh, with rogue legacy, it always felt like even when, even when I died and ostensibly didn't get any progress, I was still unlocking some new crazy wacky version of my family in a later, you know, uh, that was the hook of rogue legacy is you have this legacy of people and they have unique quirks. And so I was getting some new quirk in my family that, uh, would make the next run different and interesting. And or sometimes advantageous, like death could, you'd get frustrated, you die, and then your next guy would be like, I'm making this up, but like immune to poison. And you're like, oh, right. this is the guy. Yeah. <laughs> this is the time I do it. And that goes a long way for me in, in alleviating a lot of that feeling of, I just spent the last 45 minutes and I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't get any progress toward improving on the next run. So I find that a little frustrating. It's it's a definitely a uh, a a factor in these games that a lot of people just accept, but um, I'm having a ton of fun with dead cells. I think it's gorgeous. The, the, the platforming and the combat is really tight. I've found really cool builds that I like of, of assembling the different skills and you have a lot of options and what, what weapons and skills you put into certain slots. So um, I, I mean, I love the game. I just, uh, I don't think it has reached rogue legacy level for me, but it's pretty darn close. Yeah, I can't wait until it comes out. It's uh, out the seventh, right? Yes. Yeah, this week. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's uh, summer switch. That's what I, that's what I've been doing. Uh, but I also have been playing a little bit of, of VR, and I want to talk about it. Uh, but first, I want to thank our second sponsor. This is a really cool sponsor. Here we are, three dudes on a show talking as dudes talk, but we also are three guys that have wives. And uh, I love the fact that Third Love has decided to sponsor our show. It means that there are enough guys that think about their significant others and enough women that listen to our show that it makes it advantageous for Third Love to sponsor us. I just I just I'm so touched by that. I think for a video game show to to be anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Third Love is a bra company. They make bras. Uh, and so the three of us aren't going to need it, but we might want to look into it for our, our loved ones because these are very special bras. They have reinvented the idea of a bra and they have found a way to give women the perfect fit for their bra. Uh, I did not, not aware of the process of buying a bra, but my wife tells me it's pretty crummy. If you go to a place like Victoria's Secret, you go in and people like put their hands on you and they measure you and you can still walk out with a, a bra that doesn't fit that great because there's not a lot of options. But Third Love changed all that because they have a, a really cool fit finder quiz. You just answer a few simple questions. You find your perfect fit. It's fun. It takes less than a minute and it reveals to them the best fitting bra for you. And they have more sizes and more shapes than than anybody else. They have actually invented half sizes. You know, we have half sizes in shoes, but before Third Love, there weren't half sizes in bras, and it resulted in a lot of women getting, you know, a bad fit for the bras. So Third Love actually invented half sizes to give women a, a, a perfect fit because 
50% of women fall in between standard cup sizes. It's pretty cool. Uh, they're comfortable. They're, they're high quality. My wife got a, a bra from Third Love. Christian, I know your wife did as well. And they're both raving about them, right? We were in Wyoming for a week and it's all she brought with her. I think that says a lot when you pack for a trip and you're like, and I'll bring these. <laughs> and that's yeah. all I need. It's pretty cool. They're, they're high quality. They're convenient. You buy them online. You don't have to do any more awkward fitting room experiences. And Third Love guarantees a perfect fit. They have returns and exchanges that are always free and easy. So Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering listeners of DLC 15% off your first order. All you got to do is go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off today. I want to talk a little VR this week because um, – Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, just got a big VR patch that takes that game, which uh, was a highly lauded game, a game I enjoyed very much when it came out uh, last year, year before, I don't even know, um, and and put it into VR. So now it is supporting both Oculus and Vive in uh, Steam VR, and anybody that pre-purchased the game has has owns it already gets the VR upgrade for free, which is me. I bought Hellblade back in the day and um, I dove into this, uh, this VR upgrade to check out. If anybody has played Hellblade, you know that the game is very intimate. It's a, it's a game about mental illness. It's a game where you're sort of inside the experience of the main say? character. What is he talking about? Oh, wow. That I'm guy, talking about Sinu. You got me. Is it VR? <laughs> Where's he going? <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm walking into hell. Uh, He's We've got doing him. a doing a podcast with Christian Spicer. It's like hell. Uh, yeah, so it's it's very great audio, very immersive. You're kind of right up next, close to to Senua in the game. You're inside her head. You're experiencing her as she's dealing with all this stuff. So, what better game to even make it more immersive by putting you inside the experience in VR? Uh, and I. Definitely think that it's effective in communicating that experience of being even closer, even more inside the experience, having the audio right there in my ears, on my head. Uh, so I think a brilliant use of the format, but also, uh, you know, people that have played Hellblade will know that one of the standout things about it is how good it looked. So I was very worried, very skeptical about uh, the downgrade in visual quality as a requirement of having to do 90 frames per second for, for uh, VR. And I will say, yes, it does look not as great, but it still looks great. It's a demanding game, right? If I remember correctly, like you need a 1080 to run it. Isn't that like a min spec? The VR version. Yes. You need a minimum of a, of a, a 1080. So it's not going to be for everybody. Um, but I, I, I have a 1080. I ran it. Uh, it. It looks awesome. It looks awesome. And yeah, you're right there with her. You're in her head. She, you know, those moments, there's a lot of moments in the game where she like turns and looks and talks directly to you. It's extraordinary. And the world is so vivid. And it is a really smart thing because, of course, the game wasn't designed for VR. And there are a lot of moments, if you'll remember, where 
it does a cutscene and it kind of takes over the camera and moves the camera around and swings it over and above and through and all that stuff as modern games do. Well, that would probably cause you to verp, <laughs> cause you bad things if if they kept you in full VR. So what they do in those moments where where the, the camera is is controlled by the game for storytelling purposes is a big black border sort of emerges from behind your vision and it frames the game in uh, a big mat in front of you and flattens everything. So for those moments, it's like you entered into the world's biggest movie theater and you're watching it on this big screen flat. Uh, And then it like recedes again behind your vision and you're in the world full frame and it reminds me of watching a movie like uh, Dark Knight or Fallout, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout, where they have in IMAX, where they have these IMAX scenes. And there are moments where it like goes into IMAX. And if you're watching it in an IMAX screen, like the top and bottom open up and you're just like you fall into the world. And so you have that experience in Hellblades and it was Sacrifice over and over where coming out of a cutscene every single time, like it didn't ever get less impactful that I was like, Oh my God, now I'm in it again. And it's 3d and I'm right there. And the whole, my whole field of view is taken up by this world. It's extraordinary. And the combat in that view, it's because the characters are so big and right there in front of you. I was so impressed. Now you only play this game with a controller. There's no uh, touch control support, but I find that to be really fun. And uh, you, know, you can play it seated with a controller and um, it's got full smooth movement. It really works as a third person action game in VR. I'm very impressed with how they were able to pull this off. And now they're a Microsoft owned studio, right? Like they did this for free. So and probably no more VR stuff. <laughs> maybe the last one, but maybe they spent some of that Microsoft money to make this possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little sad. That's really cool to hear. Uh, and so it stays in third person the whole time. You're not it's suddenly jumping the first person. Correct. Yeah. You play the game as you play it. Um, and instead of having a full uh, floating third person camera like you would have in a third person action game controlled by your right stick, you still control the camera with your right stick. But the default is to have that camera um, move in 45 degree increments. Gotcha. And it works really, really well. Uh, I was never nauseated. Um, and it's so immersive. I mean, it is you are that world is so beautiful and so powerful. And, you know, the, the moments where you're like looking over these huge vistas, yes, they've decreased the draw distance a bit and downgraded some of the textures and stuff like that. But um, it's still visually stunning. And to see, to be that close to Senua and to see her talk to you and, and go through all the stuff that she goes through in that game, it's, it's a cool way to play that game for sure. All right, guys, let's do some quick questions. What do you say? All right, quick questions are sent in by you, our listeners, and you can send those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, which is our email address. You can send any kind of questions or comments about the show there. Uh, quick questions are welcome. We love those. You can also post them on our subreddit. There is a dedicated sticky thread for quick questions over there at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Our first one comes from Jason uh, Tunison. I'm sure I'm getting that wrong. Uh, Jason says, quick question. Do you feel that buying a game should let you play it on multiple platforms? And if so, which games should make the crossover? 
He says, having all my Overwatch skins on one account would be awesome. So, Vinny, are we in that place where we got to have, you know, Fortnite lets you carry your progress over. There are games that already do it. Is that going to be the new assumption that if I buy a game on multiple platforms, it, or if I buy, buy a game once, I can play it on multiple platforms? It's funny. It has definitely gone beyond, I should be able to play this on my PS4 if I own it on my Xbox One, right? Because now so many games have server side saves and their games as services and they're just keeping all your data in uh not on your console right it's not local it's it's not anything you're making an account with a third party that is managing all your data uh so it hmm all right so the, i guess this is two maybe two parts of this question one should you be able to play it on multiple platforms mm, if you bought a third party game boy you probably won't be able to do that for a while, but should you be able to do that? Uh, I don't know. That's, that's tough. Do you think that, that, that free to play games like, like Fortnite that are allowing you to do that will kind of pressure the market to, to make that a, a standard? Well, so I think, I think that goes into the kind of part two of that, which is if you do get that game on another console, should all of your save data be transferable, right? Uh, like something like a Fortnite. So that in that case, where you do have a free to play game where platform holders just kind of want you on there anyway, they're not getting a cut of the money for the sale of the game, but they were probably getting a cut of the money for any DLC or items you're buying. So they want you on there anyway. Uh, more reasonable that you would be able to bring your save data. And then you have that whole Sony situation with Fortnite and kind of locking you out of different platforms. So I, I think in that case, for sure, we should definitely be able to bring saves if you buy overwatch on ps4 you should be able to play with those same skins on your pc or anywhere else you're playing i think that we are there now whether you should get overwatch across multiple platforms and different platform holders i don't think we're quite there yet yeah i agree and there's nothing really stopping them from uh allowing you to have your skins across like you said it's it's their data they're keeping track of it so i i I definitely see the the problem with paying licensing fees to multiple platform holders for one sale, but allowing you to have your skins on multiple platforms, it doesn't seem to be any downside to that. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is again, the platform holder wants you to buy those skins on their platform through their system. Cause I assume, again, I don't know the contracts and the business side of it, but I assume they get a cut of, you know, if you're buying on an Xbox one, you're buying skins on the Xbox one for overwatch Microsoft probably probably gets a cut. Sure. Yeah, I would assume so. But I feel like if you didn't buy a skin on their platform, you're less likely to buy a skin on their platform, right? You've invested in the other platform. So if you just let them be over here, they may buy it here this time and buy it there next time. And right. I don't know. Yes, uh, I totally agree. I, I think I think they should. I, I think that is something that is immensely frustrating as well especially when you are jumping around with different groups of friends on different platforms, just to try and, right. you know, not everybody is like, Hey, we're all playing on PC, right? No, we all bought PS4. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christian, uh, what's your take on this? Yeah. Well, I think to your points there, um, I've definitely done that with Fortnite, where I've bought skins um, on iOS and I've also bought on, um, console and so yeah each side has gotten my money because i'm carrying those skins over i know if i'm playing in one version of it and i'll be able to have that with me on the other version so i've definitely done that and i definitely would have bought 
um, Overwatch on PS4 had my skins carried over. And I know it's a silly thing because it's just cosmetic. It doesn't change my play experience of the game, but I bought that on PC at first. And then I've since been on the road for stand up or whatever with my PS4 and thought, oh, I should, I want to play Overwatch. Yeah, I, I won't because I wanted to play with my um, Thriller Soldier 76 skin. And I don't have that on, on PS4. So I didn't spend that money on the game. Um, I think an interesting subset of this that we didn't talk about in Story of the Week, um, and I don't know if people have talked about it other, where, other places already, but kind of comes in is what Fortnite is doing on Android, where they're because Android is an open platform, they're totally stepping around uh, the Google Play Store and creating their own epic launcher that they also have on PC to launch currently only one game Fortnite, So they are not paying any of that 30% to Google and Epic kind of came out and said, you know, for an open platform, it doesn't make sense for us to give you 30% when you're not really providing any services there. Um, and and that's, that's wild because on iOS, I mean, Apple is the first trillion dollar company and Fortnite was a couple of drips of water in that bucket, <laughs> you know, people spending money and Apple getting 30% of it. Uh, so you're seeing publishers and developers try to figure out this issue and uh, consoles and stuff trying to wrestle with it as well. And my my now short answer to this long question, to this long version of a short question, here it is. Uh, it's the cloud and we'll be there. Cloud consoles will allow this where you won't have it on multiple platforms, but you'll have it on multiple devices uh, just like you do with Netflix. So you'll be able to play it anywhere and you'll only buy one version of your game subscription, and you'll have access to that on all of your devices. I think that's how we're going to see this implemented in the future. Does seem like that may be the case. Uh, this quick question comes from Big Daddy G seventy five. He says, having played most major platforms since the Sega Master System through the current gen, it's easy to call out major franchises that launched with each generation. However, since the current gen launched, I can't help but think there's been virtually nothing new that's emerged from the current era, especially compared to last gen, which gave us Gears of War, Mass Effect, Assassin's Creed, and Dark Souls, just off the top of my head. Maybe I'm just getting older and possibly a bit jaded, but it's hard to think of anything as significant that's emerged from the current gen that broke the mold. What are your thoughts? What do you think about this, Vinny? Uh, it's like a, kind of a sad thing, but maybe not wrong. I mean, Knack didn't set the world on fire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um Boy, what was the what was the Microsoft one with the sphere, the the orbs that you had to bring around uh, that made the different creatures? You put them in the uh, uh, Recore, Recore. Oh right, Recore. Uh, Recore didn't <laughs> set the world on fire. Um, I don't. Yeah, I'm trying to think of big hit franchises that are exclusive to consoles. I mean, if you look at things like Rainbow Six Siege, I don't know, or stuff that kind of is all over the place. Uh, or extensions of franchises. Would you call Siege kind of just in that Tom Clancy universe? I mean, it definitely is. Yeah, but it's, I mean, we've had Rainbow Sixes, yeah. you know, before. Uh, I would say Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, for sure. That game is great. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I think it will end up being a uh, a franchise. And it looks like um, Ghost of Tsushima will be that, um, perhaps. And um, Fortnite. Fortnite. It's Fortnite. I've never heard of that game. <laughs> it's a it's yeah. a video game. It's have you played Just Dance? It's like that, but you also first you have to kill somebody, then you just dance. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, well, just a some quick sidebar. Uh, there was a video made of my my kid at camp, and everybody in that video was doing dances from Fortnite, all from from ages six to uh, fifteen. 
everybody was uh, flossing. Uh, boy, I'm going to sound like the biggest dad right now. Uh, doing the uh, <laughs> flossing dance and uh, uh, some other uh, Fortnite dances. And that, I it just hit home for me of like, boy, that is outside of the video game bubble I live in is all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Minecraft being this cultural phenomenon. I, I don't, I, I don't know. I guess it was this big, but it's hard to remember it being this big. Mm-hmm. I feel like Fortnite is, is actually even transcended that. But I would argue um, it's battle Royale. It would be this gens thing. Even yeah. I mean, that's a, started on PC. Genre, not so, but like, I mean, look at uh, Anthem is going to come out in this gen. Uh, that's a big new, I mean, he, he talked about mass effect and gears of war and assassin's creed. And it's like, okay, well, um, um, what's the Ubisoft game uh, about the hackers? A watch watchdogs. Yeah. So, I mean, you can go through like almost, you know, Bloodborne is the Dark Souls from your list. Uh, watchdogs is the Assassin's Creed from your list. Anthem is the Mass Effect from your list. Uh, I don't know what the gears is, but you know what I'm saying? It, it It's still happening. It's still happening. I think it's, it's more you than it is the games. Maybe there's a, a, a hint of something different, but I say it's still happening. I, I think some of the difference is games are more expensive in this AAA. I mean, all the ones that are listed here are, are huge AAA franchises. And in that space, games are more expensive than ever. And then the risks are greater than ever. So the, I think we're just getting so many sequels because trying to put out and have a successful new IP is, is extremely risky. And we're seeing a ton of indie stuff. I mean, if you look at, it probably wouldn't make sense to go through them all here, but you know, something like dead cells, right. Or uh, yeah. games that are kind of tough to classify as this generation's breakthrough uh, huge game, but you're seeing a lot more of that small stuff come to things like the switch and even uh, PS4 and Xbox one. And it's all over steam and even itch.io. So uh, you're getting huge, huge AAA, but also a ton of other stuff in the middle. You're getting nothing, you know, the uh, yeah. uh, dark sectors of the world are gone. Uh, those, those games right. don't exist. But you know what? I don't. I don't miss the dark sectors of the oh, world. Poor dark sectors. Dark sectors. Dark I void. Played, all those dark games. Uh, I played all the way through Dark Sector for review, and I could could have that time back. In my life. That would be fine. <laughs> uh, once once uh, in a while, you get you get that tier. But yeah, you know, you're, you're, there are so many l- smaller experiences that are great. I mean, uh, we talked about. Um, hellblade before i mean that's kind of current gen but uh yeah that's, i don't know if that's a blockbuster right right um the last one comes from uh atoria's abyss uh he says a quick question hey guys do you have a really weird habit in any game or game genres for example if i see baskets in games like skyrim i immediately sling them around and make everything they hold go flying so uh, anything come to mind, Vinny, for a weird habit in games? Oh, boy. Uh, trying to think. Weird habits. I will usually, I, I mean, this isn't a weird habit. This is what all rational people would do. But as soon as you get in a car in a game, I click every single button until I find the horn. And then if it if it doesn't have a horn, <laughs> I just, you know, throw the game out. Because if you don't get a car in a game that doesn't have a horn, what are you even doing? Uh, and it should be mapped to clicking in the left stick, obviously. So... Uh, yeah, I don't know any super weird. Ha- I like, I like fooling around in games. I like trying to see if I can break the world. Uh, now in every third person game, if you're going to let me explore, I will definitely, definitely see if I can 
uh, what, you know, I think we all probably collectively call Skyrim my way up a mountain, uh, just by kind of hopping mm-hmm. sideways up a mountain and see how far you can get until you hit the invisible wall. If you're going to give me a thing with an open ocean or open air, I will immediately try to hit the boundaries of the world to see what kind of, uh, you know, blockade you've put there. So I, I definitely like to test the limits of what the designers thought I would do. So did Breath of the Wild make you happy or very sad? <laughs> I think very happy. Uh, it seemed like they accounted for a lot of that stuff uh, in natural ways that didn't have artificial blockades, at least from what I remember. I don't, yeah. I don't remember just running up in, against invisible walls. Um, to our dev friends listening, just take your headphones out for a second because I, I don't want you to ruin this for me. Um, I go left. Oh my god, that was gonna be mine! <laughs> I go left. Everything's that was to gonna the be left. mine. Is there a secret? God of War two? Where are you gonna find all those orbs? Just go left. That's Just a go great, left. I cannot believe you said that's that. A great I cannot one. believe you said that. I always go left. It's because I'm left handed and you're not left handed. No, but that's where all the hit that's because platform Mario one one tells you to go right. So when they're like, Where are you gonna put a secret? Left. It's always to the left. Oh, I think we're talking about slightly different things, but I love that you said that. My, yeah, mine is mine is if uh, if I come to a fork in the road, I go to the road less traveled by. I go left. If there's if I walk into a room and I need to search a place, I always go left first. If there's a fork, if there's yeah, if I'm in a dungeon and there's two paths, I always go to the left one. Yeah, that's where the secrets are. That's where I'm not expecting you to go. That's you always go left. I can't believe you said the same thing as me. That's wild. Well, so how uh, how far do you guys go before you turn around and then try the other one? Like. That's where I always run into problems, right? Because I until until I get that I don't know another way to put it until I get that tingle in my bottom. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a, you have a sense with games of like, oh, this was the other way was the shorter dead right. end. <laughs> right, I, I picked the main path and I want to go check the other yeah. one out. Yeah, oops. Yeah, I guess I'll backtrack now. When I come across yeah. the boss and go, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is, that is crazy. I thought mine was going to be super weird because I'm, I'm left-handed and I always go left because I'm left-handed, but, um, Christian, you and me, who knew <laughs> lefties? Who, but, uh, it's pretty funny when we're playing dead cells and are the only ones of our friends group that can't beat it. And everybody else was like, I went right. And it was very easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you guys for your quick questions. You can always send them to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or post them in our subreddit. Uh, we appreciate that. Let me thank our last sponsor. Oh my gosh, we were talking about uh, all the games that have come out this generation. What a great way to play all the games. Gamefly. In fact, Christian, that's how you play uh, most of the games that you talk about on the show, right? Gamefly. I'm still Octopath Traveling because of them. I've been a paid subscriber for for years and it it's gotten me through... Uh, <laughs> most of the games I talk about on this show are, are through Gamefly and yeah, I'm Octopath traveling. My, uh, my group is we're doing good. We're, we're, we're getting through it. Awesome. Uh, Gamefly is the best way to buy and rent all of your favorite games because Gamefly puts the games where they belong in the hands of gamers. Uh, your monthly subscription to Gamefly.com lets you pick your favorite games from over 9,000 available titles and have them mailed directly to your door. Why do you want to waste your time buying every single game before you even know if they're worth it? With Gamefly, you have access to all the new game releases and you can keep them to play as long as you want. There is never any late fee or shipping cost. You just play the game as long as you want. Send it back when you're done. And there's options to even buy the game outright if you like it. It's great. One monthly fee, unlimited video game rentals of all the most popular titles from Madden to Call of Duty. 
they put Madden to Call of Duty in here because clearly they don't know our audience. Those are the two biggest games in the world. Uh, but they have everything. They have 9,000 titles. They got all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, little as 54 cents a day. Always free shipping. Cancel anytime. This is great. Uh, and they also have movie rentals now too. So if you can do it all with one one single monthly fee with movie rentals and video game rentals, pretty darn cool. All you got to do uh, is go to Gamefly.com slash DLC2. That's DLC and the number two. And you can start your free premium 30-day trial today. The premium trial allows you to check out two games and or movies at a time. And you can only get that offer by visiting Gamefly.com slash DLC2. This is a special offer just for DLC fans. So the, the usual free month is just one game at a time. You get two. Two. And that's why you put the number two there gamefly.com slash dlc2 go sign up start playing all your favorite games absolutely free for 30 days all right guys we're gonna wrap the show up now we do have our parting gift coming up so stick around for that but Vinny caravella thank you so much for being here sir we appreciate it oh thank you so much for having me i really do appreciate it Awesome. Uh, where can people keep up with you and the things you do online? Uh, you can check me out at giantbomb.com. You can listen to the Giant Beast cast. Uh, subscribe through your, your favorite podcast app. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Vinny Caravella. Awesome. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? Oh, I'm going to go see Mission Impossible finally. I'm really disappointed with Movie Pass. Uh, I, man, I bought a year of that crap. Um, AMC. Stubbs A-list, baby. I'm going to see that. I'm going to take my kids to see T-Titans go to the movies. I'm catching up. I was in nature all week. That's not what listeners care about, what I'm doing this week. But that's what I'm doing. I'm swim class. Uh, kindergarten's right around the corner. Oh, you finally learned to swim? I am. I'm fine. taking the plunge, literally. And uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think anything that I know of off the top of my head. Uh, well, Twitter- let's, let's tell people to go see the video show that we make every week. Yeah. Uh, that almost nobody is watching because... Uh, no one knows how to find it, uh, and it's hard because it, it's kind of in soft launch right now. But you can actually see it, and we're working hard on it. Christian and I are making a video show. Yeah, Week in Review. It comes out every Friday. You can find it on the network app on the iOS or Google Play Store app provider of choice. Um, I've also started our – because it is a soft launch. It's soft launch. Go to the Gamer channel there. You can find a bunch of great stuff. Um, but it's at new features are being constantly added. Weekend review comes out Fridays. I have them all. A link to all of them from my website, christianspicer.com. You can, on the side there, there's a link to weekend review and go and watch them. This week's was really cool. It's all about the cloud console and what that could mean for, for gaming. And, uh, you get to see Jeff be befuddled for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we did some fun uh, World of Warcraft gags. It's a it's a very different kind of show than what you're probably used to. We, it's written. It has jokes. It is uh, it's it's fun. I urge you guys to check it out. Like I said, it's it's not easy to find right now. It's in soft launch. We're kind of on this roller coaster ride with the with the people who are making it, and and uh, I'm hoping more people get a chance to see it because we're working real hard on it. Um, so hope you guys check it out. Yeah. We're also tweeting about it, and you can follow us on Twitter uh, at Spicer and at Jeff Canada. Uh, I also do the Slash Filmcast. You can find that at SlashFilmcast.com, talking about movies and TV shows over there. Hope you give that a, a listen as well. All right, guys, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gift. 
Tony, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week that might not be a video game? Uh, sure. Yeah. I, uh, I just finished or wrapped up recently the Stormlight Archive uh, books. Oh, I love it. <laughs> by Brandon Sanderson. They are pretty good. Uh, and they're, I've enjoyed uh, what I've read. And just I just rolled into Mistborn, another series of his. Uh, so I have, I have my work cut out for me in that regard. Uh, and one other quick thing I'd say, I just got a whole bunch of new board games uh, this weekend. And uh, for my kids, finding board games can be pretty tough. And we, uh, my son loves Forbidden Island. Uh, and ah, it is perfect game. Yeah, super fun. And then there's a little game called Ice Cool where you flick penguins around. And uh, he also really loves that. Well, now I feel guilty that we didn't do tabletop I know, time. I saw I skip that should... section. I was like, oh, I've, uh, I've got a ton of stuff here. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, those, those it. two games for, like I said, he's six years old. Um, and it's been a lot of fun playing with him. Well, we'll have to have you back on sometime to talk tabletop time uh, because uh, I didn't know you were such a big board gamer. I, uh, man, I'm kicking myself. Uh, did you see that at Gen Con, I think it's at Gen Con, they announced a Forbidden Skies, the newest Forbidden no. Island. There's, there's Forbidden Island and Forbidden Desert and now Forbidden Skies. No, I didn't. Uh, I would, you know, I, the only thing I was really keeping, not to drag this on too long, but the only thing I was keeping a real ear out for was a reprint of Mice and Mystics. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I, because I just got stuffed fables. Uh, oh, yeah. I heard that's really and good. And so we just started playing that. And I kind of wanted to check out Mice and Mystics, but I think it's out of print. Anyway, I'm not going to sit here and talk board games while we're trying to wrap it up. No, we believe me. We'll keep this show going as long as we need to. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. Oh, so cool. I, I am so excited for getting to the age where I can play games like Mice and Mystics with my kids. Uh, it's going to be like, you know. Three or four more years yet. That's only because that'll also be the age in which you get to sleep through the night. That's the only reason you're excited about. <laughs> Is that so? Is there a light at the end of that tunnel? No, because... no don't buy that. <laughs> it never. Dang it. I, I get woken up at like six o'clock every morning. Uh, uh, yeah, because your kids want to play least, board games. I was just going to say, is it at least to play Mice and Mystics? No. It's for, the, uh, stuff at this point, it's to play Skylanders or um, uh, Mario Kart or uh, anything else on the Switch. Ah, uh, well, that's cute. Yeah. I, I'd be down for that. I, it's better than being woken up for screaming, <laughs> change, my, change my poopy diaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To be fair, I haven't had one of those in a while. Just, just put my <laughs> uh, Christian, you have a, you have a, Oh, the other thing I want to say quickly uh, about your parting gift is um, whenever we often get quick questions about, you know, like what would you love to see as a, video game and i'll always say the stormlight archive i think that would make such a rad role-playing game uh it's got this economy built in where you have to like harvest shards and uh you know be able to kill something and take their shard armor and or you gotta you know harvest light and and uh, it just seems like it's the perfect thing for a video game i want to say there's like a vr stormlight archive experience or not a game but something right Yes, I have yet to do it. I really got, got to get on that. But yes, that does exist. But I want like the mm. full like MMO experience in that world. I think that'd be so yes, cool. It's a very cool magic system. Yeah. Uh, Christian, what about you? What's your uh, parting gift? There's a book series. Uh, I should have looked up the name of the series. I think it might just be called Clementine. I believe it's the second book in the series, though, The Talented Clementine. Um, we've been reading it to my daughters, and it's by Sarah Pennypacker. It's Disney Hyperion Press, and it's 
my youngest loves it, but I think mostly because my oldest loves it, who's five and a half. And it's kind of like a, you know, early chapter book kind of thing. And uh, The Talented Clementine is about her kind of, um, she's a little mischievous and silly and they're funny and whatever, but it's about like a talent show and her kind of overcoming some fears and getting recognized for the things that she's good at. And it's funny when you're reading these like kids books or whatever, and you start projecting yourself or your kid into those situations and you get teary eyed, like reading. (laughs) And it's like, and then, and then she took the stage and realized she, and you're just like, hold on, I dust is in my eye like why are you crying dad <laughs> this has nothing to do with you leave, leave, leave me alone it's between me and clementine <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but they're good and they're fun um dory phantasmagory is another kind of series in that that we've really liked and ivy and bean so if you have you know kindergarten age kids that that want something more than like a storybook those have all been great chapter books that that my girls have really loved we have a listener parting gift. Uh, this was sent into dlcfeedback at gmail.com where you can send in your parting gift suggestions as well. This comes from Tony from San Diego. Tony says, I want to throw a parting gift suggestion. Can't help but think Christian would be a fan of this one. The band Warm Thoughts recently released their new record, I Went Swimming Alone, and I've been loving it. Catchy hooks, chunky pop punk guitars, and tight drumming make it a perfect summer record. For fans of Newfound Glory and Joyce Mayner, I recommend starting with the song Sun Bleached and Yellowed. Hope you dig it. I've been listening, Thanks, Tony. listening to no. them this week along with uh, Plague Vendor's Blood Sweat, which is old, but also <laughs> very good. And they're All from right. Whittier, uh, uh, Plague Vendor. They're like punk, like not pop punk, like punk, signed to Epitaph. But yeah, I've been listening to uh, um, Warm Thoughts. Thoughts. It's good. It's a good, nice summer, summer, summer album. All right. Very cool. Uh, my parting gift is the movie Blind Spotting. Uh, I know everybody's excited about Mission Impossible Fallout, as you should be. It's a tons of fun, but do not let this one pass you by. Blind Spotting is extraordinary. Uh, it uh, takes place in Oakland, uh, follows a, a couple of guys uh, trying to kind of work through their life. Uh, one is an ex con who's trying to kind of make good. Uh, it really feels to me like a new generation's clerks or swingers, but actually socially conscious and sort of about race relations and gentrification in Oakland today. It's extraordinary. It is an amazing movie. Uh, I, I think it's it's in my top two or three movies of the year so far. So uh, we'll be talking about it more on the Slash Filmcast if you want to hear a deeper dive into it. But I didn't want to uh, allow a parting gift to go by without mentioning blind spotting. You should all go see it. It is great all right that's going to do it for this episode of dlc thanks again to vincent caravella and christian spicer for hanging out with me thanks to all of the folks in our chat rooms for hanging out in real time and making the show better we appreciate you thanks to our uh, musical contributors patrick l sean madigan and zero star for giving us those cool bumpers and thanks to you for listening we'll be back next week until then think about what you put out into the world Make it a better place.